The primary purpose of the ADRC is to provide customers with unbiased information about services that will meet their needs. This includes sharing information with customers about all agencies that provide needed services. The ADRC does not endorse or recommend any specific agency or service provider, including those that have chosen to sponsor or participate in an interview for this podcast. Welcome to the Journey Ahead podcast, Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. I'm Tom from Volume 1, which presents this podcast in partnership with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County, with support from our sponsors, Grace Home Respiratory and All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Here's your host, Lisa Wells. I'm Lisa Wells, Dementia Care Specialist with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County, and you're listening to a podcast on Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. The goal of the podcast is to provide education about aging well living with dementia, and staying active and healthy in the community. So thank you for joining us. Today our discussion is on experiencing joy with dementia. It's not too often you find the words dementia and joy in the same sentence. Dementia is a devastating illness that affects one in nine people 65 and older and one in three 85 and older. Someone in the U.S. is diagnosed with some form of dementia every 65 seconds, and that number continues to grow as the population ages. Dementia affects not only the person, but also the care partner and families. Dementia is hard, and it's easy to find the doom and gloom. But in order to find some light, it takes a bit of creativity and a shift in our mindset. So here to discuss how people living with dementia and their care partners can experience and joy is Dr. Susan McFadden. Susan is co-founder of the Fox Valley Memory Project and Professor Emerita Psychology at UW Oshkosh. Her most recent book is Dementia-Friendly Communities, Why We Need Them and How We Can Create Them. So thank you, Susan, for joining us today on the Journey Ahead podcast. Thank you, Lisa. So first, let's start out by um, learning a little bit more about, you know, what is the Fox Valley Memory Project? Oh, I'd love to talk about this. Uh, Fox Valley Memory Project is a nonprofit. It's uh, located over in Northeast Wisconsin. We serve four counties, Outagamie, Winnebago, Wapaka, and Calumet. But um, we have people from other surrounding counties who sometimes come to our programs. And the reason why they come is because we do infuse joy into this experience, which you're right, it's often doom and gloom, but we believe it's possible to experience joy. And we do that through our memory cafes. We have memory cafes offered 18 times a month in different places around this four county area. We have a program that we call MindWorks, which is located in uh, several different places in um, this four-county area. Uh, This is a three-hour program for people living with some type of dementia, which enables their care partners to be able to do errands or take a nap or visit with friends because their loved one is involved with our MindWorks program, Mm -hmm. which uh, has many wonderful committed volunteers uh, and um, uh, we're currently at capacity Uh, so it's a popular program but we have other uh, things as well Um, one of them that I think is really fun and that brings joy is that uh, we call it lunch bunch 
and um, we meet in again in this four county area uh, different uh, months or different weeks of the month rather at different restaurants so we say okay out of gaming county we're meeting on you know like the fourth friday or whatever at this particular restaurant and all we ask is that people let us know ahead of time if they're coming because we want to make sure there's going to be tables set up for mm -hmm. however many people are coming. So uh, that's a really nice social opportunity for people with dementia and their care partners. And what that does is to really um, level the playing field, so to speak. It uh, removes the stigma. It's just a bunch of friends out for lunch for the day. Just like our memory cafes are a group of friends who are gathering in a library or a nature center or an actual cafe uh, mm -hmm. in the afternoon uh, to have some kind of engaging program and to have some coffee and treats together and chat and just just to uh, be social, to have something social on the calendar that is not a medical appointment. Right, something to um, look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, um, and we also have a program that we call Memory Link, and that's um, uh, people who are very well trained in dealing with the many challenges that are raised with various types of dementia and uh, they will uh, take your phone call and try to you know, give you advice about some problem you may be dealing with or uh, tell you about programs available that would uh, be of some kind of assistance to you. Um, it's just all kinds of good information that comes from them. Um, and then we also have a chorus with uh, oh. Fox Valley Memory Project. Now, I know you have one over in Eau Claire, and, and um, I just saw a post on Facebook from them. Uh, there's a chorus in uh, Milwaukee also, and more and more places are starting these choruses. It's a great uh, source of joy for us. Uh, we started ours in 2014, and we still have some people coming who were with us at the very beginning, um, but we've attracted new people as well. And we uh, practice once a week, and then we do various uh, performances in different venues. Um, we have cool vests that we wear that have our logo on them. Uh, and uh, as I say, it's a, it's a source of joy for um, the persons with dementia, for their care partners. And then one of the interesting things that's happened with uh, several of our Fox Valley Memory Project programs is that people continue to be involved after their loved one has died or after their loved one has had to relocate to some form of memory care. So they will continue to come to memory cafes, sometimes as volunteers. Um, they come to chorus uh, and and they do that because they have found real meaningful relationships in these programs uh, and they don't want to let go of that. And we are just delighted to continue to welcome them. Yes. You know, it's so important in you're just expressing that, that people realize that with this illness that you can still live well. 
Yes. Um, but you mentioned earlier that, you know, there's still that stigma with dementia. Oh, yes. So what are some examples that you've observed? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, first of all, we need to think about what stigma is. Um, and uh, it's a it's a term we you know throw around a lot, but research has really dug deep into what um, is what components of stigma there are. So it certainly has to do with labeling people. Oh, you're old because I see you have gray hair and wrinkles, and then we associate old with stereotypes of, well, you're no longer capable of doing things, or um, maybe you. Have have nothing to contribute uh, to the community. Uh, so we label people, we stereotype people, uh, and then we separate from them. It's you know them and us. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're the we're the healthy older adults, but you are the people with dementia, and we don't quite know how to relate to you, and and we have all kinds of misinformation about. Um, uh, what dementia uh, is and what it involves. And, and so we separate from them and we discriminate mm-hmm. against them. You know, we make them feel not welcome in certain uh, places, certain places in our community where people wouldn't feel welcome. And then, and then we're stigma involves some kind of fear that we have, you know, Oh, I don't want to be with those people because you know, I know it's not contagious, but it feels that way. Um, we see this a lot in um, different kinds of uh, care communities, like assisted living, where I've seen, I've observed this for years, where older adults can have real stigmatizing attitudes toward folks with dementia. They don't want to be with them. They're afraid that people will think they have dementia. It's it's a big problem because then it creates more social isolation. And you said, you know, fear. I think that's a big one that yes. so many, you know, as we get older, I think a lot of people fear getting dementia. Right. And, you know, a lot of people still think that, well, it's maybe a ordinary outcome of getting older, which it's not, mm-hmm. um, but um, people, and, and, and then we all forget things, right? Yes, but we do. As I, as I used to say to my students, you know, well, they'll forget something. They'll, they'll forget an appointment or forget to, you know, phone somebody or forget to do an assignment for my class. Um, But those 20 year olds never worry that they might have some type of dementia. Right. But when we get into our 60s and 70s and 80s and we forget things, then we start to think, uh oh, you know, maybe I might have it mm-hmm. um, uh, because, of course, we associate dementia with aging. Uh, and we have a lot of people right now who are aging. So there is a lot of fear out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are some things that, you know, how do we how do we address the stigma or what are some things that, you know, what are some things that we can do to maybe change it? Well, uh, certainly one thing that a lot of communities are trying to do is to educate people. 
uh, uh, educate people about what I just said. It's dementia is not an ordinary outcome of aging. Um, we want to educate people about the different types of dementia and how they might initially appear and, and, and educate people about progression and educate people about the fact that folks living with some type of dementia are still valued persons mm -hmm. in our community and, and that they still have something to contribute to our community. And, and that um, when you get to know people who live with dementia, you find that out, you, you realize that. Um, I did some research um, some time ago with some students looking at um, attitudes about people with dementia and we found out that one of the things that really can change those, you know, ageist and dementist attitudes toward people with dementia is just to have experience with them, yes. to, to go to memory cafes and find out that it is possible to laugh together and sing together and to be creative together. That's what really can change attitudes is when we have those experiences in our communities. And I think, too, that um, it would be good to think about or consider the words that we use, too. Um, oh, something, yeah. Something that I hear so much is, you know, dementia patients, dementia patients, oh, dementia patients. And, I know, hate that. <laughs> I, I do, too. And But, you know, really thinking about, you know, we don't say, if we're talking about somebody, we don't say, oh, diabetes patient or cancer right. patient. So right. why do we use dementia patient? And right away when we think patient, we think nursing home. Yes. Um, you know, so really changing our words. So maybe um, what what would be some some better words that we could consider? Well, that is, uh, that's, uh, that's one of my uh, biggest um, uh, objections to the way we use language these days. And let me tell you, I see that all the time. I see that in newspaper articles and magazines and online. I mean, and people who are writing, you know, pretty decent essays, about dementia, but they'll say dementia patient. And that narrows the scope of how we see people. We only see people in terms of uh, what's happening in their brain. And, and I deliberately omit pictures of brains when I give lectures about dementia oh. because I don't want people to be just focused on the brain. It's, it's, we're talking about whole persons yes. here. Mm -hmm. And so instead of saying dementia patient, we can say, oh, that's a person with dementia. Or uh, I have a friend who is um, a geriatric psychiatrist, and he is um, a wonderful uh, writer about dementia and a clinician with people living with dementia. He lives out in um, Boise, Idaho now. And he talks about people having dementia, and he abbreviates that as PhDs, which really <laughs> puts an ironic kind of uh, uh, kind of feeling mm -hmm. about it. And and I said that one time to 
a group where I was giving a lecture and a woman came up to me afterwards and she said, well, my husband has two PhDs. <laughs> he's, he's living with dementia and he has that, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, label from his years of education. Uh, so, um, we definitely need to change our language. And, and I would just love to get rid of that dementia patient language yes. because it's so restrictive. Mm-hmm. And people, I would imagine, you know, I've done focus groups and I, I do a lot of things here in Eau Claire County. Um, I would imagine if I was to ask some of my groups, if you know, do they like to be called dementia patients? I would probably say they would all say no. Right. You know, a dementia patient is maybe somebody, you know, when you're at the hospital. Exactly. Or, or at a clinic. Yep. That's right. We'll get back to the podcast in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Grace Home Respiratory. We're excited to have their support for the podcast because just like us, they're locally owned and operated. If you or someone you care about needs medical equipment or supplies, wheelchairs, walkers, hospital beds, portable oxygen concentrators, even CPAPs and BiPAPs. Grace Home Respiratory is right there to help. They're committed to helping you live a life of independence. They realize that shopping for the specialty medical products you need can be a challenge, which is why being locally owned and operated is key. They do everything in-house from their location right in Altoona. So if you have a question about billing or anything else, you know you'll be talking to someone from just down the road. Find out more about Grace Home Respiratory online at ghr-ec.com, or you can call them toll-free at 877-230-1622. Now, back to the podcast. So you talked a little bit about uh, the Fox Valley Memory Project, um, some of the experiences and things that you do, um, but can you talk a little bit more about, let's, let's get to joy. You know, what, what makes people feel comfortable maybe conflicted about experiencing joy? Well, um, part of the reason is because um, dementia is hard, as you said. Mm-hmm. It really is. And um, uh, so we need to acknowledge that. And we in this culture are very bad at holding opposites in creative tension. So we are very bad at at being able to acknowledge, yes, there is suffering with this condition, but at the same time, there can be joy and laughter and friendship. Even in the later uh, days of this journey with dementia, um, there can still be plenty of love. Um, and, and we're, so we're not good at holding these opposites in uh, creative tension with each other. We need to acknowledge the suffering because uh, certainly the care partners know about that. And so we don't want in any way to devalue what they're experiencing, uh, because it is 24-7 a lot of times with folks living with dementia and caring for somebody uh, with a type of dementia. Well, but at the same time, that when the community comes together to create the kinds of programs we're talking about, there can also be joy. And I think joy is a social emotion. I think it's something that we experience with other people. Uh, and, um, uh, and it affirms that our lives have some meaning. Um, and 
you know, much of the time people living with this condition become socially isolated. Their friends withdraw from them. Their friend, and you you talked about friendship in your last podcast, um, uh, and and that's a big problem uh, that that people become more socially isolated, and we know how how bad that is for your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we all need more joy in our lives. Well, and I think too, oftentimes with families, it's so easy to see all the things that. The person they're caring for, all the things they can no longer do right? versus what they're still capable and able to do. Yes. And, you know, like when you're caregiving 24-7, it's really hard to see the light sometimes, isn't it? Oh, it is. Absolutely. And it, and it's really hard to to read any of the many, many books and, and websites and, and you know, listen. Yes. Oh, all that that's out there because you know you really are focused 24 7 um but if you come to one of our memory cafes you can relax for an hour and a half or two hours because we've got that program we've got volunteers um many times at our memory cafes the care partners will you know, not even sit with their loved one. They'll, they'll, they will have made friends with another care partner and they'll sit with that person. And there's enough going on that their loved one is happy and having, you know, a good uh, engagement with the program and other people. Um, so that's the kind of respite, if you will, uh, for that feeling of, oh my gosh, I'm on 24 seven. Right, right. You know, we're really fortunate here in the state of Wisconsin to have so many opportunities for people living with dementia and their caregivers to participate in. You know, you mentioned, you know, all the wonderful things that are happening in the Fox Valley, and there's um, just great things happening all over the state. Um, So what are some, what are some, if somebody is not able to maybe go to something or attend something um, or hesitant to attend something, what are some different ways people would be able to experience joy? Well, I mean, I think it takes a um, kind of a shift in mindset um, and to say, um, we're going to go for a walk today and we're going to appreciate um, the flowers in our neighbor's garden and the um, scent that we get in the air from, you know, a flowering tree or whatever. Uh, or right now that autumn is coming to Wisconsin, we're going to um, sit in a park. We have so many wonderful nature centers and parks in this state. And, and we're going to look at the colors. Um, we're going to um, think uh, about um, doing something creative together, uh, even if it's just like asking a creative question, like, um, you know, you're sitting in a park watching some people across the way. Well, what do you suppose those folks are doing? You know, yes. we don't have an absolute answer to it, but but let's Creating make up your a, own story. Yeah, let's make up a story about that. Exactly, um, and so. There's, there's lots of things that um, we can do if we have this shift in uh, our thinking. Um, and also, you know, to that the care partners 
that they get some rest <laughs> and that their community is supporting them in, in getting some rest and their families are. Um, as you know, there's often a lot of conflict within families. Yes. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we are so blessed in Wisconsin to have dementia care specialists in every county. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people in other states are envious of us um, because they do not have these kinds of resources. A dementia care specialist who you can call when you've had a really bad time with your loved one and talk things over. And, and gets a, maybe get a new perspective on how to deal with some kind of uh, behavior. Um, uh, we, we just have this marvelous resource uh, in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned something, you know, getting that, that rest, those caregivers. Um, it's just so important to take that time away to yes. take a break, to rest, to um, get relief from, you know, a chal- a very challenging situation. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's, it's not always easy for caregivers to do that. Or right. I don't know how you would, you know, the word guilt. Oh my goodness. Oh yes. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was that, just thinking that very word. <laughs> I, mean, that, yeah, I hear that all the time. Yes. And so what, what would you say to somebody, Susan, who trying to find that joy, um, right. but if they're always that nagging, that little voice. Oh, in head. yes, yes, you know? yes. I can remember teaching about this decades ago. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been teaching about aging for 50 years, mm, Lisa. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> A long time. And I, and I remember years ago talking about some research that talked about women having a bigger problem with that than men because a lot of women, particularly older women now, were socialized into a world where they were supposed to take care of everything related to home and family. Nurturers, yeah. Right. And and that was that was their main role in life. And and that was what was socially affirmed, right? And um, and everybody understood that. And so when a loved one would have some type of dementia, the women would think, yeah, it's up to me to take care of everything. But men, on the other hand, who had been socialized to be the breadwinners, we used to use that term, and, um, you know, out in the world, etc., they, when their loved one would have a type of dementia, were more likely to hire help in if they could afford it or, um you know, ask for help uh, to manage the care rather than thinking it was 24-7 their responsibility. Now, I don't know how, how I haven't seen any recent research on that, but that's how it used to be. And I suspect for a lot of people it still is. I certainly saw that with my own mom. She took care of my father who had a very serious stroke, left him completely paralyzed on one side and loss of language and vascular dementia. She took care of him for 11 years and she did not think anybody else could 
help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do a, as good a job as she is do doing. Do as good a mm-hmm. job, right? And you know, at that time, there were no resources in her community in Southern Ohio, and. Um, but if there had been, I think she would have been reluctant to use them because she thought only she was capable of taking care of my dad. And of course, it was in a huge strain on her. It was not good for her health. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know now, um, it is um, a real health risk for people to become increasingly isolated from other people. It's a health risk for people um, when they can't get out and get some exercise, um, etc. So, you know, the care partner is not going to be able to give that high quality care if they can't take care of themselves. And that's a really hard uh, argument to make to a lot of people uh, is that you need to take care of yourself. Um, and people think, oh, it's selfish and I don't want to do this and I feel guilty, etc. Um, I think that we're getting better at talking about this. I think some doctors are getting better at, at recognizing what we call in this kind of medical world today, social determinants of health. So, you know, health is not just about viruses and bacteria and cancer cells. And, you know, health is about um, our social worlds. Health is about, you know, our exercise and our healthy eating and all that. And um, I think doctors are starting to recognize that. And so hopefully they will start, you know, talking to care partners about, about that. Uh, because as we know, often people will listen to their doctor. Yes. Yes. Versus <laughs> and, their kids or right, else. Exactly. Yeah, the family. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back to hear a little bit more um, with uh, Dr. Susan McFadden. I want to take a moment to talk about one of our sponsors, All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Mobility challenges don't have to mean leaving the home that you love. All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions specializes in residential and commercial elevators, stairlifts, scooters, and more. The All-Star team offers a free home assessment, and they can help you find the products you need to get around your home and the rest of the world safely and effectively. For example, they have more than 100 scooters in stock, so you'll be sure to find one that meets your needs. You'll find All-Star right here in the Chippewa Valley on Halley Road in Chippewa Falls, and they've got locations in Hudson and La Crosse, too. Learn more by calling All-Star at 715-598-7511 or by visiting allstarmobilityllc.com or allstarelevatorllc.com. Now, back to the podcast. Okay, we're back with Dr. Susan McFadden talking about experiencing joy with dementia. And so we're going to finish up here, and I'd like to hear a little bit more from you, Susan, on, you know, what can we do as a community? What can we do to help people living with dementia experience this joy and awe? 
Well, there's um, many things we can do, and um, and you know it, it is very important that we educate our communities. Uh, and so, uh, over here in the Fox Valley, we um, have program where we go out to businesses and um, we talk to them about dementia. Um, I've given lectures in bank lobbies for mm-hmm. before the bank opened for uh, people to learn about dementia. And I, we've talked to people in veterinary clinics and drugstores and grocery stores and YMCA's and you name it. Um, so uh, certainly it's important to have that kind of education that's out there, but I don't think that's enough. Um, I think that um, we need to give more people um, really uh, good experiences interacting with folks having dementia. So, um, you know, there's lots of volunteer opportunities out there uh, for folks to volunteer over here in our memory cafes or to volunteer with respite programs, uh, which we will be talking about uh, this week, um, uh, to have that a- experience or to to volunteer going into a memory care community and doing some kind of uh, creative, joyful activity with the residents there because you know, the staff are very uh, challenged, you know, these places often are um, dealing with uh, problems having and keeping staff and boy, it would be just so great if we had regular volunteers uh, coming into these communities. Um, Before the pandemic, my husband would go about four days a week to several different uh, memory care communities with his ukulele. Oh. And uh-huh. he would, um, it wasn't just him standing in front of people entertaining them. He was engaging them uh, for singing along and having fun together, um, batting a balloon around while they sang, you know, things like that you can do in a memory care community and you can find out boy, you know, these people really can be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that um, I we do over here and that I think is so important, and I know it happens in Eau Claire, is that our chorus performs for the community. So we have we we have performances where we invite people from the community to enjoy our music. And I think they'd be rather, people are rather surprised at the songs we sing. We're, we're singing some Motown now and we're singing some rock and roll and we're singing, you know, I mean, uh, this kind of addresses the stigma and stereotypes that people think about older adults. Um, so the more things like that, that we can do in our communities to, to help people get to know one another, um, that will help. Well, and even like knowing your neighbors, um, yes. you know, uh, maybe a neighbor down the street is caring for somebody. Maybe you, you know, offer to, you know, go to the grocery store or sure. stop and, hey, you know, I can hang out with, with John for a little while if, if you want to run to go have coffee with a friend or, you know, right, exactly. so really, really getting to know your neighbors um, and, offering that maybe even a half an hour of your time. I mean, that would be huge for a care partner. 
we had a wonder. I have a wonderful example of that. Um, so we have a man in our chorus who uh, was uh, with us almost from the beginning. We started the chorus in 2014. And one day, uh, he was standing in a line uh, at Starbucks to get some coffee. And um, he was mentioning to somebody who was caring for him uh, that he loves to sing. And but he and he knew about this chorus, but he didn't have a way to get to the chorus. He used to be able to come via some tra- a transportation program that we had that no longer was available to him. So anyway, the, there was a woman standing in back of him who heard him say this. And she didn't know him, but she said, well, maybe I could take you to the chorus. And, and so here this stranger volunteered and um, his family agreed that she was an okay stranger. Mm-hmm. And she's been coming now for the last two years, bringing him faithfully. Wonderful. Um, and she loves being in the chorus mm-hmm. <laughs> and brings him. And, you know, he's got a walker and um, has a little trouble getting around, but she gets him into her car and brings him from, he lives in a memory care community but she's able to pick him up and bring him i mean how wonderful Mm -hmm. and she's having a good time and he's having a good time and we're enjoying having them with us so yes (laughs) these things are possible and and friends can really step up um yes and we know that um caring for caring for somebody it's 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 not only the the persons living with dementia that it affects it affects entire families entire neighborhoods communities so do you think there's a role for um maybe physicians or faith communities or um schools to get involved and how what that might what what would that look like Oh, I I think all of the above. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm talking with doctors over here in the Fox Valley about that very thing um, of uh, because, you know, a lot of physicians are frustrated that they, you know, they're very keen on a medical approach to various kinds of issues people bring to them, but they don't have information about what um, social opportunities are available in the community. So we really need to educate our doctors Mm -hmm. about what's possible uh, because they may not know what's going on in our communities. And so they can't advise their patients about go to a memory cafe or join a chorus or whatever it is. Um, So we certainly need that. Um, uh, We've done a lot of educating over here in faith communities and um, really emphasizing um, not only gaining the knowledge, but also the experience through volunteering um, in various kinds of programs. So um, that's important. Um, Just making a good community for everybody uh, is uh, something that I think um, will benefit young and old. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had wonderful experiences uh, working with high school students. Um, They are interested in dementia because they've seen their grandparents and great grandparents Mm -hmm. 
and and these high school students they want to know and they 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 enjoy interacting with folks having with dementia we did a program one time for middle school students where we had them come to um this cool thing we were doing with folks having dementia and and um they drew together oh. and that was just really fun yes um so those kinds of things you know just a little creativity not very much money you know we can do this mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yes Well, Susan, thank you so much for um, just being with us here today and just all your words of wisdom and hearing about the Fox Valley Memory Project and mentioning, too, just the importance of reaching out to uh, a dementia care specialist in your local community or local county. Um, Like you said, they're very fortunate that there's one in every every county. We want people to know that um, they're not alone, that there's a lot of people out there living with this illness and, and caring. Um, so um, it's just so hopeful. And you one thing yes. I'll never forget, you know, uh, years ago, I, I heard from a physician, um, it was a long time ago, and I hope that, that it might have changed, but that they, they said there's really no hope. And, I know. And so yeah. I, I really, I hope that, <laughs> I'm saying, I hope <laughs> um, that, that's, that it's changing. We need to change yes. the, nar- the narrative. And people um, need to realize that there is, there may be no way to prevent, cure, slow it down. But regardless, um, like you said earlier, that people still living with this illness still have purpose. They still have passions. They still have emotions. They still have the same wants and needs that you and I have. Um, And so how we can, how we can bring that out as a community. So reaching out to local um, ADRCs and dementia care specialists are so important if if uh, somebody's looking for that information. So again, thank you so much for, for your time today. And thank you. This is Tom from Volume One. Thanks again to Lisa and to her guest. And thanks to you for joining us for the Journey Ahead podcast, Aging Well in the Chippewa Valley. Volume One presents this podcast in partnership with the Aging and Disability Resource Center of Eau Claire County. And it's all made possible by Grace Home Respiratory and All-Star Elevator and Mobility Solutions. Learn more about this and our other podcasts at volume1.org.